0: Caesar and Walsh Welsh is, uh, I think, one of the most I've never met the guy, but every time I speak to him, or the last time I spoke to him, it was just an unbelievably interesting conversation, and it kind of left me thinking, what is it that goes on in this guy's head every single day? What kind of you know glasses does he view the world with? So it's a bit of a tricky question to lead into this with, but what kind of glasses do you think you view the world with, Caesar?
1: Thanks. Yeah, we had a really cool conversation last time, and um, always enjoy listening to you whenever I can. Um, that's difficult to say. I think the only thing I do try to keep in mind is is to continue to try and broaden my perspectives. Obviously, coming from a mixed race background, um, my perspectives were kind of broadened for me from an early age. But I've I've realised what a benefit that's been to my life, and I continuously try to broaden whatever perspectives I can and read things that I disagree with and think about things that I wouldn't otherwise have imagined. And I think as long as one keeps oneself on one's toes in that way, interesting things are bound to happen.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one, this idea of constantly challenging oneself and challenging what one believes. I wonder how much of that is you know, the way in which one is raised. I mean, I know people that don't challenge their thought processes or how they think at all. And this can happen throughout an entire lifetime. I wonder what it is within someone that forces one to be that self-regulating voice consistently pushing to challenge oneself.
1: Sure. Well, I, I think certain life experiences... Have uh, that effect, especially when you have experiences that you think will will be difficult and and you actually realize in the end that they broaden your perspective and and make you more able to deal with future future situations so I think to some extent it's a question of life experience, and to another extent it's it's just the thrill of of you know challenging yourself and realizing that the world is always a broader canvas than you initially imagined it to be.
0: Tell me about how you're navigating. Your life and being young. I mean, one has one opportunity to be young. Old people always say to you, you don't know how you know the the world really lay before your feet when you were young. Do you feel that there's a pressure in your youth to deliver a certain amount of things? Are you concerned about if you don't get something done now, the implications of not getting it done? Or do you take a pretty organic approach to achieving the things that you, you think you want out of life?
1: Yeah, it's been something that I've been thinking about a lot over the last, say, two years um i think probably in my early 20s i was very keen to do as much as i could and you know tick as many boxes as i could and i think there's a lot of pressure on young people to do that but since i got the time to spend more time in in contemplation and reflection i think one's 20s should really just be used for for testing yourself testing ideas seeing what works and and broadening again as broadening your experiences as much as possible so you have deep reservoirs from which to draw in 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 your future years and that's really what i think young people should be should be thinking about doing obviously within certain limits but i think if there's ever a a trade off between playing it safe or doing something that you're not sure will be as safe but will be interesting i think Your 20s is an opportunity to go for the interesting thing
0: let's talk for a second about street smarts and book smarts i mean on paper you are just this unbelievably educated individual but it also seems like there is a big side of you that has developed a lot of street smart skills and i wonder how you weigh the two out and and figure out in your life and in your capacity what relationship street smarts and book smarts play
1: well you know the the irony of the situation is that I think a lot of people's first impression of me um is is someone who's had a silver spoon um from from you know the day I was born and someone who's had opportunities handed on a silver platter but that's that's simply not the case you know growing up with a single mother um and my parents came to some financial success but only at a later stage in my life so I feel like I've seen both sides of of the coin and that to some extent makes one a bit more gritty and a bit more determined when times are tough. And obviously living to some extent in the public eye from a very young age also, you know, necessitates a, a thick skin. So I think determination and the ability to to grin and bear it when you know that people are talking about things that are very close and personal to you is, is something that's a really difficult skill to learn, but is crucial for en- anyone who wants to achieve anything in their life to learn. And I think that's, that's the most important thing. I mean, if, if you've got that, then you can study. You know, all you need to do is persevere. If you've got that, then you can think through a complex problem. And, you know, um, my academic career hasn't actually always been storied. Um, but I just got serious at a, at a given point sort of late on in my undergraduate career and, and really focused. And that's kind of how it happened. So. Looking back on it, it seems as if it was all good. But again, you just have to persevere and you know, you get knocked down and you just keep going.
0: When you look at the world around you, when you look at the, the context of the world that you live in um, and everything that's going on in your own life, in the world, politically, socially, economically, all of that, what is it that gets you really excited about being alive right now?
1: Yeah, it just feels like in South Africa and in the world we're really on the cusp of of a human experience that you know no generation has ever imagined. I mean when you look at the kind of massive technological changes that that have taken place like literally over the last 6 months and when you look at how pregnant the South African political sphere seems with possibility and how soluble our challenges seem, even though nobody seems to be able to get it together to, to really tackle them in a way that everyone can get on, on board with. I just feel like there are so many opportunities globally, locally to, to imagine something a bit more beautiful than what we have at the moment and to, and to fight for it. Um, and that really gets me out of bed every day. I mean, to make it a slightly more tangible, for example, you know, the question of racial justice in South Africa. I mean, obviously that's been, at the forefront of the political agenda recently. But I think we have a tremendous opportunity in South Africa to to demonstrate to the world that with all our baggage, with all our complexities, we can build a society that transcends the complex history without denying it and and indeed by tackling it directly and and confronting it head on. There's a tremendous opportunity in what that means, not just for South Africa, but what that means for for the world at large. And that surely should be a project that we're all dedicating ourselves to.
0: Sizwe, do do you see yourself as a leader? And if so, does that change how you approach every aspect of your life? Does that change how you interact with people does it change the decisions that you make? This word leader and leadership, when it manifests in your life, what does it look like and what does it imply?
1: I think something like leadership does exist. Um, (laughs) Obviously, countless philosophers will tell you that if you see yourself as a leader, then you're probably the exact opposite. So it's difficult to, to navigate both having the intellectual humility to understand that you don't have all the solutions to even many of the problems you want to solve on the one hand. But on the other hand, sometimes you are in a position where you can take a group of people on a journey with you towards a vision that you imagine and they imagine is is a worthwhile destination. And I I really do think ultimately that's that's the core of leadership that's the core of of the idea that people are getting behind when they use the term leadership it's it's the construction of of an end and then fashioning the means by which to get to that end and attempting to do so in a way that the group who's getting there agrees and so I've, i've certainly been in positions in my life where i've been the person doing that and i've been in positions in my life where i've been the person following and I guess one has to constantly navigate. The ironic part of life is just at the moment where you finally think, Oh, okay. I think I, I think I get this. The opposite happens and you find yourself, you know, making a huge mistake or, you know, just realizing that it's more complex than
0: you initially thought. I would imagine though that you love it when something turns out to be more complex than you initially thought because you love the challenge of then figuring out and conquering in a new space and, and stretching yourself in whatever (laughs) way that's going to stretch you.
1: For sure, I mean, I think you know the the human experience is is founded on that. you know, just when you think you've got it all figured out, the world defines a way of defying your expectations, and ironically, South Africa is obviously a test case you know um, One of Ashil Mbembe's most interesting assessments of South Africa, I think, is that it's the country that defies anyone's predictions and anyone's expectations. And I suppose that's allegorical for life in a sense, you know, just when you think you can predict it, just when you think you've got it figured out, somehow your expectations are confounded. And I suppose that's what keeps it interesting, in hindsight, at least anyway.
0: One never really knows what one's doing, uh, which is difficult for some people to wrap their heads around. But when you kind of surrender a little bit, amazing things happen, right?
1: <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, I think that's one of the things I, I learned at Oxford, you know, you have this built up idea of what Oxford must be like and what the people at Oxford must be like. And, you know, they must all be Einsteinian and you get there and you're like, so everyone is just like everyone I've met in the first place. Like they're just kind of more confident about the fact that they don't know what everyone thinks they're supposed to know. And that was an education um, in itself because you realize, well, okay, I guess if all these people in my class and all the people I'm seeing aren't, you know, haven't got it all perfected, then who am I not to be confident in the specific view that I want to put across?
0: Absolutely. I got to go to do a, two questions from Dan Calderwood, who's also on our list of influential millennials to watch in 2016. The first one is, how are you getting involved in aiding the debate around inequality and current perceived racism in South Africa's democracy? And if you question any of the wording on that question as well, you're also more than welcome to throw that into the answer. Mm.
1: No, cool. I mean, I think that's that's a great question. And right now, my main social project is the Roads Must Fall in Oxford project. And I think that has a direct bearing on, on the question of South Africa. Obviously, Roads Must Fall originated in South Africa, and then we took the idea and we expanded it in Oxford. And what I think, what I hope it will achieve is, if we're able to discredit the idea of racial domination in the exact place where it was born, then that'll have ramifications not just for Britain itself, but for the entire world. If Rhodes falls not just in Cape Town, but if he falls in the exact place where his maniacal ideas were hatched, then that has significant implications for the way that we look at the world from South Africa and the way that Britain looks at at the world from Britain. And that's the main project that I'm involved in. But I think... You know, we shouldn't reduce that question simply to to projects. I think this is a lifelong question. I think in every interaction we have with South Africans, whether it's between family or whether it's between colleagues, whether it's between friends, the question of racial injustice is one that has to be at the forefront of our minds because that's the defining feature of our society, in my view.
0: Tell me about, in that context, and we'll get to Dan's other questions just now, but just while we're on this, tell me about... In the context of, you know, a question like this and in the context of the, the roads must fall movement that you're pr- sort of promoting it at Oxford, how you harness your own personal emotion to make a mm. positive change and not let that emotion hinder you, but how you allow it to enable you to do more and be more.
1: Yeah. I think again, for, for young people, the question of, of channeling is, is crucial. You know, obviously growing up as a millennial in a world as crazy as the one we're in, you know, where we're somehow simultaneously more connected and, and more isolated than than any generation before us, it's difficult to know how to channel a lot of the, the energy that a life like that and all, you know, we're just bombarded daily with, you know, a, a billion messages and what do we do with that, you know, and, and I think... One thing is, is to remain in the slough of despond. The other is to try and channel, to try and convert the, the daily nuisances and, and feelings of suffering that you, or anger that you might feel into, into a project that responds and doesn't necessarily respond in a way that's, you know, let's all sing kumbaya, but at least in your mind takes the question for, takes the question or the issue or the problem forward so I do try to channel the energy and I do try to and again I wouldn't want to paint a picture that it's always perfect you know there are times when I just I just feel like you know we're not going anywhere or you know corruption is gonna just you know eat South Africa from within or you know what we're just never gonna get over this this white supremacist racist problem that we have in South Africa but you know then, then it's time after that to to do something about it
0: absolutely uh incredibly well articulated there. I've got to go to Dan's second question for you here uh, on a bit of a lighter note, but I don't know, maybe not a lighter note, depending on the answer that you give. but cool. if you won the lottery, what would you do with the <laughs> money?
1: well the first one well, the first one was quite heavy ooh, yeah I must say the first question was quite heavy um, <laughs> i I like this one. this is cool. Wow, if I won the lottery, that's quite. That's quite crazy. I would, you know, what I would do? I would, okay, so I would, I would give a certain amount to, to people close to me, and to people close to me who, who I know are in need, who I'm not able to help financially as I might want to. So I'd do that with a certain portion, and then what I would do with, with the rest is set up a way of living that I, I never had to want financially, so that I could then. Just dedicate myself to the things that I'm I'm really interested in you know so whether whether that would be a social campaign whether that would be music whether that would be you know just writing books I would literally I would eradicate that part of you that part of your your brain that's always like yeah but you know you can't do this because unfortunately like the resources aren't there and I think that would be that would be an amazing life to live actually
0: well, listen, dude. I'm so glad that we got you on this uh, this list. In kind of closing this, I'm actually gonna let you close it and say whatever it is that you feel you should say at this point, uh, and and you can wrap up the interview.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate. I really appreciate the opportunity and enjoy our chats. I hope we have many more in the future. And um, yeah, I guess just take this take this millennial thing that that you're working with to to the millennials listening and embrace the complexity and do something do something crazy with it do something that isn't expected do something that confounds people's expectations and i'm a firm believer in when you when you actually do take the step to do that you'll surprise yourself um so here's to surprising ourselves
0: I love that. Here's to surprising ourselves. Uh, Sisu and Porfu Walsh, thank you so much.
1: Not a problem.